on this mountain, the Lord of heavenly forces will prepare for all peoples a rich feast, a feast of choice wines, of select foods rich in flavor, of choice wines well refined. He will swallow up on this mountain the veil that is veiling all peoples, the shroud enshrouding all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe tears from every face. He will remove his people's disgrace from off the whole earth, for the Lord has spoken. They will say on that day, look, this is our God for whom we have waited, and he has saved us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let's be glad and rejoice in his salvation. The Lord's hand will indeed rest on this mountain. This is Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 10. And Isaiah was writing to the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, at a time when they were experiencing a national tragedy. Their country had been invaded, demolished, disassembled. And then they as people had been dispersed, separated from each other and spread out all over the region. They were broken hearted. Feeling hopeless having experienced a great loss. They were grieving. And into that moment, Isaiah speaks a word from God. And he talks about what it will be like on the mountain. And he opens and closes that passage we just read with those three words, on this mountain. Now for them, the mountain that Isaiah would have been writing about was Mount Zion. And Zion was for them the mountain, the peak on which the city of Jerusalem was built. Zion for them represented where God's presence rested where God's power was seen and experienced. Zion for them was the pinnacle, the peak of everything good and great. And in the midst of their lowness, their suffering, their sadness, their grieving, if anything holy was going to happen, if God was going to do something, If things were going to get back on track somehow, it was going to start on the mountain. Maybe for us, for Americans, we might think of our nation's Capitol building. For college football fans, we might think of our home football stadium. If anything good is going to happen, if it's going to get back on track, it'll start there. 
course, then we also think if things are off track, if it's miserable, if it seems that it just can't go right, that's where we look. And if Isaiah had anything to say to the people of Israel, it was, listen, this is what it looks like on God's mountain. On this mountain, on Mount Zion. Here's what we will see and know and experience. And sometimes we need to be reminded of what the view looks like from the mountaintop. Have you ever been up on a mountain or on a high place? Maybe you've been to Stone Mountain or you've been up to the Sundial restaurant. You know, had an opportunity to have that view from up high. I can think of a couple of times in my life. Uh, a few years ago, before we moved here, we lived in Cartersville, Georgia, and Pine Mountain is over there in Cartersville. And as a family, we would Sometimes hike up to the top of Pine Mountain is beautiful. This is a picture of a view from on top of Pine Mountain where you can see the lake. And then if you turned around the other way, you could see the city of Cartersville. It's really beautiful to go up to the top of the mountain and be able to look around and see everything that we usually only see from the ground. We see one store at a time or one street at a time or one house at a time or one neighborhood or one part of the lake, but then to be able to go up on top of the mountain and see it all gives you a little bit of a different perspective. Two months ago, Jessica, my wife, and I went to New York City to visit our daughter. She came in to town from college, and before she got there, though, Jessica and I went up uh, to the top of Rockefeller Plaza. They call it the top of the rock. This is the view uh, that we had from the top of Rockefeller Plaza around New York City. And again, just a 360 degree, I was blown away by how many buildings there are in New York City, and not small ones either, like big buildings. And as far as we could see, it was buildings. But every building represents somebody's place of work, or somebody's home, or place where they go and see a show, or have a meal, and and just to be able to go up on the top of that Rockefeller Plaza and get a look around gave you a different perspective of the city than when you were down on the streets. There's something about going up to those high places, to the mountaintops, that give us a different perspective, a different view about life. We, we can get beyond the barriers the borders, the things that divide us. We can see beyond the ends of our own noses and our own preferences and experiences. And we get a wider view of life, of the world, of history and time. There's something about being up on the mountaintop. We can see the horizon and what's ahead of us and how connected everything is. 
It gives us a unique view. And I think that's why Isaiah told the people of Israel and told us, reminded us of what the view is like from the mountaintop. From where God is and at work. And what Isaiah said is on this mountaintop, God is preparing a feast. A feast with rich, flavorful food and choice, refined wines. We're not talking about two-buck chuck. This is the good stuff that you save for the special occasions. And this is the meal, the spread. I mean, we're headed right into meal season. We're, we're going to be having some fine spreads of food laid out before us. Some of us more than we can eat or should eat. And we'll probably do our best anyway. Isaiah said, God is preparing a feast for everyone, for all peoples. This is what God is up to on the mountain. And it reminds us of just how much we have, how blessed we are. It reminds us of just how much God has and has in store for us and for everyone. And that can come especially in handy if maybe we don't feel like we're sitting at a feast right now. Maybe in here this morning and rather than rich foods and fine wines, it's ramen noodles and Sam's Cola. And, and whether that's literally, physically, or it's emotionally, spiritually, you may feel much like the people of Israel felt. Scattered, separated from God, from each other. But Isaiah is reminding them and reminding us that what God is doing when we get the view from the mountaintop is God is laying out a feast. And that can move our mentality from a mentality of scarcity to a mentality of abundance. So that we can have faith and trust in God and what God is doing and how God will provide. And then we can be generous, much like Kristen said last week. Be generous with our hands, with what we do, with how we engage in the world. Because God is a God of abundance and is preparing a feast. There's, there's something about the meal, too, that is special. I was reading one of the commentaries written about this passage in Isaiah, and the guy who was writing, Jeffrey Palmer is his name, he, he was writing about the significance of meals in the Bible. You read over and over again about meals. And Important meals, big ones like wedding feasts or funeral meals. And how significant those 
meals are for us, how they can become sort of like a, a mountaintop kind of moment in our lives. And he pointed out how often we leave from those meals, those wedding feasts or even those funeral meals, how we leave from those having been impacted, changed a little bit. A lot of times we'll, we make some kind of declaration or decision about our own lives. We may leave and look at our significant other and go, you know, I, I love you more than I ever have. Or we may leave thinking to ourselves, I, I want to spend some more time with my family on a regular basis. Or I want to find a way that I can give back to my community and help. And it's because these meals, significant, these mountaintop meals, give us a perspective and a view that we don't often get every day, day by day. We celebrate the past and acknowledge the truth of the present and look to speak hope and life for the future. When we have those sort of mountaintop moments. Then Isaiah says, not only is God preparing a feast, but God is going to swallow up the veil, the shroud that is covering us. That that shroud will be removed, that veil will be pulled away, that that just sort of funk that is laying over our world. And our nation. And that covers us in a kind of a darkness. And can so often blind us from the truth of who God is. And what God is doing. And who we are. And who each other is. That, that shroud that just lays over us. That on the mountain God is swallowing that up. Pulling that off, removing that from us so that we can breathe and we can see. And he's swallowing up death, even death. God is removing on the mountain. That God is swallowing up death in life. Death no longer has power over us. We no longer will feel the sting and the pain. We won't be controlled or broken by sin or death or the fear of our own mortality. And in the face of death and mortality, that, that can be another moment where we get a different view and perspective of life and the world. Which is why it's appropriate on this weekend, which is All Saints Weekend. We just celebrated All Saints Day on November 1st, or All Hallows Day, which is why October 31st is All Hallows Eve and Halloween, because historically in the church, November 1st has been a day to remember the saints 
who've gone before us, who paved the way for us in faith, to remember them and to give thanks for those that have died. It's fitting on a weekend like this that we would be reminded by Isaiah of the view from the mountaintop. And to be reminded that those who we've loved and admired and appreciated who've died and run the race of faith well, now rest from their labors. Rest on the mountaintop with God. Because coming face to face with mortality can give us a pause to get a different perspective. I read uh, an essay written about a year ago from a guy who's a, and I want to quote some of it for you, but a guy who's a a very conservative political commentator. Um, So I'll, I'll say for what it's worth, there's some things that I would agree with him on and some things that I don't agree with him on. His name's Eric Erickson, but he wrote an essay about a year ago that actually turned into a book, and he was writing to his children because basically simultaneously he had been diagnosed with a pulmonary embolism and his wife diagnosed with lung cancer. And so he says in that moment in his life where he'd been wrapped up in his career and politics and his values and opinions and perspectives and advocating for those and very vocal in his commentary. He says in that moment, his view of life changed. His perspective changed. And one of the things he writes in that essay is he talks about being near to Christ. And I've read that and thought that's that's the mountaintop. That's the view from the mountain when we come close to Jesus. And this is what he said. When Christ draws near, the systems of man and nature collapse. When faith grows strong, it conflicts more and more with politics and polite society. Then he said, my faith and my politics are becoming more and more irreconcilable. What matters more to me now is to do what I think is right, not to do what is popular. It is not to lead others, but to speak for those who cannot speak and do for others what they cannot do. Facing his own mortality gave Eric Erickson a view from the mountain. And then Isaiah says, God will wipe away all of our tears and remove the disgrace of his people from the face of the earth on the mountain. How many tears have been cried this year? Tears over the loss of a loved one, over suffering and pain, over a burden carried by someone close to us that we felt powerless to do anything about. How many times this year has someone felt disgraced 
ashamed, abused, worthless, hated, abandoned, unloved, unlovable. Like the people of Israel who felt disgraced, separated from each other, from God, from community. And Isaiah says, not on God's mountain. The disgrace of the children of God will be wiped from the face of the earth because the Lord God says so. And the people will say, look, this is our God. This is the one that we've waited for, hoped for, trusted in, and he has saved us. He has delivered us, and we will celebrate. We will rejoice because the Lord's hand rests on the mountain now and forever. So God, through the words of Isaiah, gives us this view from the top of the mountain. So it can be, it can remain in our hearts and in our minds. Because we don't live on the mountaintop. We live most of our life in the valley. Or maybe on the side of the mountain. Climbing up it or tumbling back down it. So God shows us the view from the mountain so that we can be reminded of what God is up to in us and among us, in our lives, in the lives of those who've gone before us and paved the way. Isaiah told us what the view from the mountain will look like one day. And then Jesus came to tell us that it is here. That God's kingdom has come. And that God is coming even more and more every day in us and among us. And bringing into reality the truth of that view from the mountain. Where there will be a great feast. Where the veil, the shroud, the funk that covers us will be gone, swallowed up. Death will be gone, swallowed up. There'll be no more tears, no more disgrace. There'll be celebration and joy. This is God's promise for you and for me and for all people everywhere. And we need to be reminded from time to time of God's promise of the view from the mountain. So this morning, we've created a, an opportunity for you to remember, to be reminded of the view from the mountain and more specifically how you got a glimpse of that view maybe in the life of someone who you know and love who's not here anymore who's died, now resting on the mountain. So that you can remember the saints who've gone before us. So what we'll do in just a minute is I'll invite everybody in the house to come into the center, take one of the candles that's in a basket and light it on one of the candles that's in the middle.
and take it back with you to your seat. And then as we all do that, we'll light this room with God's promise of the view from the mountains.